Welcome to the Common Geeking Program, a book club podcast where each episode, three of us read up on a topic then discuss it from geeky and some would say nerdy perspective. This week, I'm your host, Ryan Mossbarger, and we will be discussing Never Too Young to Die. And the theme is going to be about uh, obvious franchises that never really got off the ground. Um, I'm joined by two people, each of whom has selected a domain they think connects to our topic and theme this week. They are... Hi, I'm Jonavi. And um, I selected the book Sunshine by Robin McKinley, um, which I picked not because the creator uh, intended it for it to be a series, but that everybody or it seems like close to everybody who read it assumed that it just was and was flabbergasted when the author was like, no, that's it. What was this? (laughs) It's the book called uh, Sunshine by Robin McKinley. Oh, and by the way, listeners, it's me, Keen Coders, bringing you the truth once again from Truth Fill Truth uh, Station at Truth Planet. You know it's me. Uh, I will be representing uh, the Dark Universe, which was the proposed cinematic universe by Universal Pictures that would, uh, it was, they were planning to take all, like, the classic, like, monster movies. It was their answer to the Marvel comic book movie. Yeah, like, hey, I'll talk got, more like, about it in, like, a bit, and, like, and, like there's, 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 there's some ideas there, there's some ideas, yeah. but <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about, uh, why, well, you know, as you said, it just, it just didn't connect with audiences. It just, yeah, yeah, it didn't connect. It is unfortunate. It could have, it could have been something. There was, there was opportunity there for some really good nostalgia, nineteen twenties like feeling type of B movie stuff. And yeah, I got a, I got a whole, I got, a, yeah, I got a lot of things to say about it, but it didn't you know. work out. But yeah, let's move on to the summary. Um, so never too young to die is a 1986 action movie starring John Stamos as the titular Lance Stargrove. Of the John Stamos. The John Stamos, sorry. Uh, The singer Vanity as the femme fatale Don Jadiring. And Gene Simmons as the deadly and enigmatic Velvet Von Ragnar. Uh, The basic plot is that Lance's father was a 007-type character, you know, man of mystery, uh, made all all the more real by the fact it's played by a lesser Bond, George Lazenby. Uh, Not lesser, but, you know. (laughs) He's lesser. Uh, More like Lazenby, am I right? (laughs) Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck him, he's probably dead now, yeah. What, no, Uh, George Lazenby is still fucking Here on Common Geeking Program, we enjoy disrespecting the dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next up, your mom no but uh george lassenby's character is killed by ragnar using his uh all kind of ended up being like a i guess a trick of some kind it was all a trap just to kill stargrove stargrove is kind of like a weird he's not i guess he's like 007 but if 007 didn't have mi6 like i don't understand what organization he is like part of you know what what, i think there was no organization john stamos doesn't need an organization yeah just (laughs) Just the American government. He's the John Stamos organization, the department, the DOS, Department of Stamos. The U.S. Department of Kicking Your Ass. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, his dad, uh, but yeah, he's killed by Ragnar. So his son, Lance Stargrove, a gymnast, uh, decides to take up the mantle with the help of Donja, who is played by Vanity, who I think is either was fucking his dad or was his apprentice it's they don't really clear that up at all either she worked the stables or she worked george lazenby i'm not 100 sure I, I thought it was i was uh, i thought it was like both i thought she like 
I guess probably both. We just assume um, from action movie tropes that it's both. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and that we're both totally cool about like the whole father son thing. Well, they had to fulfill the classic movie trope of crossing swords with your own father. So, I mean, you know, you have to. Uh, so, yeah, with the help of Donja, who, like I said, some form of apprentice to his father, and his roommate Cliff, who fits a Q-like role, uh, together they take on Ragnar and his plot to irradiate the water supply of Southern California and start a Road Wars type type apop- ah, apocalyptic wasteland. I have to ask, do you think that this was like commentary on the Floridation debate? Oh, definitely. <laughs> it was probably some solid. Are uh, you saying that Ragnar was a fluoride advocate? No, he was. I'm... No, he is a metaphor for a fluoride advocate. <laughs> no, I mean it's a good way of looking at it. I don't want to say no because it's really great. Listen, right? I know, I know. Like you, 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 uh, you analyze. You know, it's your, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's your, it's your program right now. But uh, if you can't see the genius and the subtlety of Never Too Young to Die, anti fluoridation like movie. It, it, I mean, it's a lot more. Than that. We can't even cover all the all the layers. Fluoridation is socialism. Excuse me. The layers that uh that 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 Gil Bettman put into this. You know. I mean, there is. I will. I will say that there is a possibility that the uh, the director in this was like, you know what. Fuck fluoride. Let's make a movie about fluoride. <laughs> it was <laughs> it yeah. was directed by Gil Bettman, who is does not have a Wikipedia page, so I don't know if he did anything else after this. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, so he's trying to, if I remember correctly, irradiate the water supply to start a post-apocalyptic wasteland of Southern California. I guess because it's the- all for money and shit. Blah blah blah. Uh, this movie is wonderful for the same reasons that it's very problematic. It's like 80s fucking concentrate it's a shot of lsd to the retina it is it is full of the shit it's, it's a very mullets. hetero understanding of what drag is yeah. like it's yeah it's it's i don't yeah I, it's I not can't. even yeah it's not even it's, playful we'll get into yeah. some of the offensive parts later uh but yeah it's fucking 80s it's it's got mullets it's got action it's got awkward it's chase got scenes. sequins yeah it's got asian stereotypes it's got weird sex scenes and probably the most bigoted handling of a transsexual person on script <laughs> i'm pretty sure if we try we could find a more modern much worse maybe uh but yeah i love this movie and i wanted to talk about it <laughs> you're 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 uh you're i just want to say like your home like collection must be amazing you got uh the the miami connection miami connection and you got great, you yeah. got uh two uh never too, never young, too to young to die you just got you got a great you got a great shelf someplace i just gotta yeah. say <laughs> but um yeah it, i love this movie not for the awful parts but for the good parts of it being just a crazy ass uh 80s film and I wanted to talk about it and talk about its failed future. To me, it seems obvious this was supposed to kick off a franchise. Oh, obviously. It is. It's it's like distilled kid Bond. Like, they wanted to do, like, a kid Bond movie. They could, probably couldn't get the rights. And it all worked out. <laughs> You're right. I you mean, this is uh, James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Teenage this is spy. Yeah, this is technically before John Stamos really took off. Also, like... Wait, wait, are um, you saying this is a prequel to Full House? Yeah, this is before he was on Full House. This is before he really took off, but he was on General Hospital at this time. 
But he was still like a rising star. He was like an 80s heartthrob in, in the era of 80s heartthrobs. Was this part of and this, uh, meaning the stigma the, <laughs> the, the part of the what? The Stamaverse. You know, all, be, all James Stamos' <laughs> work is in the same universe. Uh, it could be. You know, maybe this is before he met up with uh, his nieces and nephews. Exactly. And I think this know? is, I, I propose um, that you're, you're wrong. This is not a failed franchise. This is the prequel to full prequel house to full house all right it's possible um but yeah this is before he took off star he was definitely a rising star at this point he was still technically famous <laughs> and vanity and gene simmons were both i mean vanity maybe to a lesser extent but both were big stars in music not necessarily known for their acting so maybe that's how they got him in. it's like hey you know you want to star in this weird movie gene simmons has noted uh, about this movie it's like i will never not accept another acting role without reading a script again like several years after this came out i love it its failure uh can only be classified as epic in every standard way of putting it out <laughs> and even the wikipedia article which i am staring at right now you could be considered skeletal at best I like cast it does not have a lie about it just reception. has the cast it has the reception which is a straight up like copy paste from rotten tomatoes it has nothing about what happened in the movie it's pretty great no it's, yeah it's <laughs> the, the the author for the wikipedia article did not want to watch the movie yeah did not want to watch the movie <laughs> was not interested it was, step, it was a step too far to watch this movie in actuality um but this is the hard-hitting journalism that we do here on yeah, yeah. i'm I'm doing the stories, the hidden stories that the man doesn't want you to know yeah, about. Yeah, we're telling you the truth. Yeah, we're, I'm, a, I'm a truth seeker, and because I'm talking about the truth, I'm a truth finder. So, you know, strap in for some interesting conversations about problematic stereotypes of uh, transsexual people. Well, it's not even just that it was supposed to be transsexual, because he kept, because he said bisexual, he said I'm a man and a woman. I think several descriptions oh, yeah. of the movie use the term hermaphrodite. Like, it yeah, was he's, just... he's a hermaphrodite, yeah, I believe. But, well, the question um, is, at this time, was hermaphrodite... I don't, like, I don't know the, the, the nomenclature, but uh, I believe hermaphrodite... That could be wrong. Was hermaphrodite ever in, like an, an official term? Well, hermaphrodite like stems from like biology. It's really a biological term, which yeah. is why it's like vaguely offensive to like be like a hermaphrodite like as if somebody is a yeah. study it's offensive because people made it offensive you know it's Maybe. like it's like the word like retard like it, at one point it was right. the technical term <laughs> no it was it was the official term at one point and then people you know used it as a slur i i get what you're I mean, saying yeah. but i think like the word retard was like developed as a like by the by the medical community as a standard whereas i think hermaphrodite was taken from like being in a purely like zoological biological yeah, thing and, we and just then adapted being, it like, to yeah okay, yeah and then you. was adapted to be offensive by just like offensive people yeah okay <laughs> so that's I mean, I that's what i believe <laughs> That's right, what I yeah, think. It's, it's a complicated thing, yeah. and I also didn't want to make any assumptions that this movie actually knew how to handle the character. And, like, I just figured they said hermaphrodite because it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's a dude that dresses up as a woman. He may have one parts or the other. Well, it's they also just, really, like, 80s. Yeah. Oh, man. We need we need comedy. What are we gonna do? We have to cross dress. Like Get Gene honestly, Simmons. They, they play it for crom comedy a little bit, but honestly, I do feel like a big part of it is they want to play up on the fear, the fact that like this man is also a woman, and he's like there's some parts where like they have a lot of makeup on Gene Simmons, mm -hmm. like. It's pretty she the, the cross dressing makeup is really good. <laughs> and there's some points where 
like Gene Simmons is like, hey, like we should do something about this. And like John Stamos has to play it out. And you can see the 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 acting fear in John Stamos's eyes as like <laughs> this person is proposing to him, uh, propositioning him. So like I also feel like they're playing it up not just for the comedic aspect, which is but for the gay panic the fear. Yeah, for the gay panic. Gay panic. Like John Always Stamos solid. Is like, I'm not I'm not gay. And it's like whatever. <clears throat> Classic. But yeah, it's there's some offensive. Uh, it handles some weird stereotypes. His best friend, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Quan? Cliff? No, it's Cliff. Who plays Peter the Kwan. stereotypical super, uh, super intelligent Asian classmate who kind of like flounders at everything else but being smart. Yeah, he wears like, uh, they look like snow, like snow overalls a couple times. Like, you know, like snow pants. Snow overalls. He also makes a gun that just evaporates people <laughs> using <laughs> was it like jet fuel and tennis balls or some well, shit. Well, you, you like find that. that you find that in the in your backyard. I'm sure you know, Mister Pierre Kwan. You know, he's a he's a genius. He said he was a genius. So there you go. Genius. Does he call his problems quandaries? <laughs> God damn, you're on fucking point tonight. <laughs> we just lost a bunch of listeners named like Quan. You just alienated an entire. Uh, Actually, d- don't don't be weird about this. But yeah, his last his real name is Quang. Yeah, that's oh, why I've been okay. saying. I, I yeah, for Kwong. some reason I assumed that was the character name. It could have been. I mean, well, it was his ever... name, so it makes okay. it adds up. Some of these people don't have last names as official characters. Okay, I love it. But yeah, but Robert Englund's in it. George Lazenby, Gene Simmons, Vanity, uh, John Anderson, and uh, John Anderson. Looking at people that actually have, and Brascombe Richmond, who is uh, if you saw his face, you'd recognize him. He plays a lot of stereotypical uh, Native American stuff. Uh, if you were to watch like. Texas Walker Ranger and shit like that. Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. The Texas Walker Ranger. <laughs> Texas Walker Ranger. Oh, that's just like oh, a really me. old Walker, Texas Ranger where he has a walker and he's just like going after <laughs> I'm gonna him. Get, I'm going to get fucked up in a parking lot in Texas at some point. Yes, you I are. said that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to get fucked up in a parking right. lot in Texas regardless. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good summary of these uh of kind of what we what i'm trying to get at with <laughs> never too young to die i would really like to move on to the domains now though and kind of get my little feelers and what you guys are bringing into this little smorgasbord mm-hmm. so yeah john if you can yeah you you, yeah you, you kicked it off last oh okay um yeah, so my thing that I've brought is an offering. Um, yes, bring your offering yes, to the table in front is, of me. Uh, Feed it, Brian. Sun, is Sunshine, as I've said, by Robin McKinley. Um, apologies to Keenan. It does have quite a few vampires in it. Um, oh, of course not. <laughs> Tale of the Vampire. Yeah, so um, the, the protagonist is like, you know, a chill baker um, nice. who is descended <laughs> For, like on her father's side from like a line of sorcerers good, um, good. the setting <laughs> you've got me already <laughs> on her father's side which is the side that matters chill baker sorcerer yes got it. <laughs> um and like all of her father's side of the family has like you know vanished there were the voodoo wars which um like basically just uh like kind of like a world war situation it's low-key post-apocalyptic there are whole like zones of like um 
of places that are like uninhabitable because they've been too contaminated by like black magic and stuff. Uh, quick question. Um, the primary conflict was between humans and vampires, but they're also just um, anti-others, meaning like demons and you know werewolves, right. but mostly vampires because vampires are the most scary. <laughs> Anything yeah. that's not a baker. So, like, a cobbler would get strung up in the street. Yeah. <laughs> so, wait, so, um... so, so, wait, wait, wait. So, everyone, so, like, this isn't, like, behind the scene, like, typical fantasy stuff. They're, they're, they're out in the open. Oh, well, yeah. Like, everybody, like, yeah, like humans are about... very clearly aware of the existence okay. of others. Yes. All right. Um, yeah, and then, cool. like, plenty of humans have, you know, other blood that they have to hide, and they're treated sort of like as second-class citizens if it's found huh? out, like, officially, and they have to register and all of that. And um, anyway, so this that's cool. a little bit of black background in about the world. And, like, the, the main character, Sunshine, whose name is Ray, but everyone calls her Sunshine. <laughs> um, she, I love it. She is kidnapped. <laughs> She, she like, goes to one of these, um, she goes to, like, the side of one of these lakes, which is, you know, apparently a bad zone, and she gets kidnapped by a bunch of vampires, and, you know, she's not expecting to survive the situation. She has, like, been kidnapped into the midst of, like, a vampire war, or, like, a gang war between vampire gangs. Um, she dejects the shark. Yeah, and so she teams up with this, like, other vampire that's being imprisoned by those vampires, and somehow... They manage to escape this like crazy situation, and then they have to um, essentially become allies to defeat this other more dangerous vampire gang. Gross. Um, but all right. Yeah. So like this is a very rough summary. There's a lot of other things going on in the world, including like uh, Sunshine cannot really share her alliance with a vampire with anybody because well, um, obvious it's super reason. sketchy. <laughs> And their <laughs> species are at war. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the yeah. way, there's some sort of cash natch. And in addition to that, there's like uh, a special forces branch of like the police, which are specifically supposed to deal with like other related crimes. Bakers, hell yeah. <laughs> So they're they're also kind of like on her, and then in the meanwhile, there's like you know bake shop, coffee shop drama. You feel like <laughs> you brought the scones again, Ray. How are we supposed to live in this post-apocalyptic life without proper skin? It's actually extremely well written. It's a very intriguing world, which is why everybody or like people who read it were like, oh yeah. So where's the sequel to Sunshine? Like. Okay, like there are still all these unresolved plots. Like, what's happening with these special forces people? Like, what's going on with? <laughs> they're doing their job. What's Jonathan? up with Bakes? Yeah, like, like what's, what's going they, on? They're, they're, they're other. There, it, it doesn't seem like it's resolved in a lot of ways, and you aren't even entirely sure if there's necessarily been enough extant character growth for it to like truly end as a as as an arc in particular ways, but. Like, according to the authors, like, no, that's the story I wanted to tell. Like, I, I don't really want to revisit that. I'm good. <laughs> did it, but did everyone it get, else like, really... who read Sunshine was very much like, hey, so, like, can we have a sequel in which we know, like, <laughs> what were the repercussions with this, like, extra special forces? Like, hey, can we get more backstory on this, like, Baker <laughs> Chick's boyfriend who has clearly been involved in some mysterious way because he has all these runes on him and just stuff what? like that. <laughs> just so many things. So, I have, so 
was it considered is it more of like a, a pulp hit or was it like a widespread like bestseller hit? I New York mean, Times. it's um it's I think Sunshine is one of Robin McKinley. Robin McKinley is a pretty well-known fantasy author. Um okay. she's like she's been pretty prolific and she's produced a lot of things that have been well received. I believe she's had like several bestsellers, but Sunshine is one of her most popular books. Um, oh, okay, so yeah, it is strange that she wouldn't try to continue it. Right, but she's just the kind of person who's just like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm an author, fuck you. <laughs> like, yeah. I've already done my science, <laughs> I'm doing this because I want to do it. And she doesn't, she didn't feel like there was more to that story, yeah. even though there were all of these elements where everyone else thought like, well, from what I've heard from you other things, so many things it open. seems like there should be more. But um, Robin was just like, no, like I wanted this character to have like this set of experiences. And um, yeah, that's where I want to leave it. And I have read I um, get that. short stories and stuff that sort of like end right at this very like cliffhanger point. Instead of like falling off. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... I don't know if she was just like, oh man, I gave myself too much world here. I don't really like the sequel thing. <laughs> um, is this uh, is this recent? Did she say? Um, let me look it. Up. I just uh, that's definitely. I just looked, as somebody that writes a lot of D and D stuff, mm-hmm. that hits me. Like you start working on a world, oh you my put god, all these, right? Like, Open ended things, and then by like the third time you're playing with people, it's like I fucking hate this world. I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, do no, something I'm, else. Uh, I'm writing like a little. I, I I was gonna be a little vignette. But I'm just I'm adding more stuff to it. I'm like, oh god, I'm gonna have to address that at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm reading on the Sunshine Wikipedia that apparently in 2008 she said that she'll start a sequel that's in the same universe, but not a direct sequel. Uh, after her working on her novel Pegasus, oh yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. So I'm seeing that now, but I. But I'm sure she. I'm sure she's. She's if she hasn't released it in ten years. Yeah. Like it, so both not giving and giving them what they want at the yeah, same time. Yeah, it's, I love it's it. not really a, a passion project for hers. After, I'm sure, hearing the demand for it, she was just like, okay, maybe I can do something with the same world. Because world building is a very big part of fantasy. She's just like, well, I've already done all this work. Maybe maybe that yeah. wouldn't be so... So bad. And, and I do I've know a that other full of runes that I could just go off of. And then other <laughs> other books of hers have been roughly set in the same universe, but at different times. Like oh, um, really cool. one of her one of her other quite famous books is called um, "The Blue Sword." And then there is like legends about the Lady Erin who like fought dragons and stuff. And sometimes Dope. at other points, that's mentioned in other books of hers, even though the stories don't really directly overlap in a lot of ways. Okay. So, okay, cool. I mean, okay, it, it's okay, something, okay. the kind of thing she's familiar with, but I, I believe, because I, I read on her blog post, like, she wrote a blog post about, like, one of the questions I get all the time is, like, when is there going to be a sequel to Sunshine? And um, she was just like, yeah, and she, was, she said, like, I don't... I'm happy with the way the story is. I don't really want to do that. My so. response? Fuck off. Read yeah. something else, nerds. Fuck you, fans. What do I care about you? And uh, she... <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I thought that this was a fascinating thing to, like, bring to this discussion just because it's it's unusual because it was basically, yeah. like, one person's call to be like, no, like, this is a completed story, <laughs> even though a bunch of other people were, like, clamoring yeah. for it's It's the additional opposite stuff. of this. Yeah. This- this was made by a probably like written by a singular artist and then brought out and the people said no. Mm-hmm. But yours is the people said yes, we want more. And the artist is like, nah, man, nah, I ain't hot. I'm not yeah, hot. And like, it's even, like, yo, shut that piece of trash. You want more of it? But I would wager that a lot of the things, 
like that indicate or that tell us, oh, this should be a sequel will still be similar. Like, hey, you have characters can you can do more with. You have a setup. You have like this kind of plot. You still have some inherent tension in like these sorts of things. Yeah. yeah. You have a special forces <laughs> unit that's devoted to the capture and like de- death dealing of specifically bakers. I mean, you can't just <laughs> not can't just not like write it. more about that. Yeah, and then there's like a surprising amount of the book spent just like describing good dessert, and I'm into it. You know, like <laughs> I like that. I I, I, I love that. <clears throat> I am into it. It's like I would recommend that regardless of whether or not you know you enjoy reading fantasy, like. I I thought that the book I I thought the book was good. Like regardless of whether she finishes the sequel that she's kind of been harangued into, I guess. Um oh, George R. R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> like that I like I don't I don't care. I think I think the book is a good book on its own. I would yeah. certainly read a sequel if I get one. I'm what not. if she yeah. wrote a really passive aggressive <laughs> sequel? Like it's just like I guess she bakes some more fucking scones. <laughs> oh no! It's like oh, and like it's it's like the first chapter. Everyone like is dead yeah. or something, and the world. Yeah, at, at one point, the, the baker like stabs a vampire with a butter knife. It's great. Like, nice. That's kind of the action I can get behind. Knife. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that sounds super interesting. Like I'm kind of interested in that. It's story. very unique. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Nice. I like I like the compare and contrast. All right, Keenan. Let's let's get up all up in that uh, all up in what you're in the to dark table. universe. Thank you, Ryan. I'm so glad you act. Um, the dark universe, mummies and stuff, uh, was originally Tom Cruise. Less yeah, dark, well, but then okay, it expanded. Well, yeah, well, yeah. At first, there was nothing. Uh, basically, it was Universal Pictures, like you said earlier, being like, you know what, we could have a, a set of universe too. Uh, Franchises are so hot right now. So we're gonna make one. What do we have? Uh, sir, we have a bunch of things that don't really add up. It's like let's put them together. So um, they basically said we're gonna. They made Dracula Untold uh, with Luke Evans in 2014, and that was did not watch it. You you don't you shouldn't. Uh, I'll be honest. I think the majority of people would agree with me that it, they did not watch it. It's a box office success, but received mixed reviews. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. I was actually really disappointed by it, to be honest, because I was super. I remember first seeing the trailer for it because I was super hyped because like it was coming out. And it was like, time to tell the real story of Vlad, you know, Tepish, you know, Dracula. I was like, oh, hell yeah, because I think Vlad the Impaler has, like, an actual, like, historical figure. Extremely interesting, cool dude to, like, learn about. Uh, but then it turned out to just be another vampire thing. Uh, but then they reworked it that it would go on to be part of this shared universe of rebooted horror films. Drawing from the Universal Pictures uh, original... You know, like classic yeah, like stuff. the lineup. Like so, the first three movies they said afterwards. They said they said, "All right, well, here we're going to do. We're going to do the Mummy. We're going to do the Bride of Frankenstein and the Invisible Man." And at first, this gathered a lot of support, like a lot of you know um, stuff because they had already planned on rebooting the Mummy franchise, uh, and they attached a lot of people actually to this. Uh, future, yeah, like high caliber people. They got, they got Tom Cruise, <laughs> but not just not uh, just uh, the Mummy. Uh, they also got uh, uh, they got as well in in the in the Mummy. Uh, they had Russell Crowe play Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, yep. which I thought was an interesting choice. But it honestly probably the most enjoyable part of that entire movie. 
uh, kind of dumb at the same time, but whatever. Uh, well, he kind of is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Exactly. He has even an ounce of booze he turns yeah. into a Mr. Hyde and just exactly. destroys everything near Classic him. Classic Russell Crowe. I love that dude. Um, and they got Javier Bardem to play the Frankenstein monster at some point. And they also... So that's a pretty good they, ta- they had Giant Depp attached to the Invisible Man project as the uh, tutelar Invisible Man. They also said that, hey, eventually we want to do the Wolfman again, because they also they did that recently with Belenicio del Toro. Uh, yep. But they said, we want to do that again. We want to do the Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Phantom of the Opera, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, they even got Annie Elfman to make this official theme music. But eventually, The Mummy came out, and that kind of... Uh, that killed that. They got such negative reviews, apparently, that they reworked it, they put it all on hold, and then now it's vaguely like no one who originally was attached is attached again uh but i last uh reported that elizabeth moss will isn't talks to co-star in the invisible man but we have no idea when they'll be announced when they'll be made or if they'll be made but it's suffice to say that the dark universe is dead ooky spooky dead exactly will it rise uh, like yeah and i yeah with a bolt of lightning exactly so i thought i'd bring it here that, because that this was is a very, very good much... spooky voice i, I appreciate uh, that yeah <laughs> Because I'm quite a spooky person. You, you are basically it. So you're basically a ghost. You're, you're, I mean, you guys can't see me, so I might yeah, for all be I, a ghost. Yeah, for all, for all I know, you're, you're Vincent Price. You're uh, a, yeah. a, a spooky Skypey. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, spook, I'm a Skype ghost. <laughs> you're a Skype yeah. ghost. Uh, but it's yeah, my, up, it's you, my everlasting torment to record podcast episodes without very in, having a camera active. That's a very interesting curse. Uh, but I'm bringing it up because, like I said, this was a franchise that, you know, that they were hoping to make a cinematic universe. And, you know, in theory, they had, like I said, they were setting everything up to have, you know, God knows how many movies, you know. Uh, yeah, I remember the hype when they were starting up. Like, yeah, it was kind of mummy, exciting. When they, were showing, when they were showing the first few promos for The Mummy, everybody's really excited. I saw a lot of the stuff about, oh, new actress X was attached to be in, like, Bride of Frankenstein, and they were talking about who's going to be doing, like, uh, Creature from the Blue Lagoon and all this other, like, they're going to bring up all the classic yeah, which you know, I was, B-movie horror yeah, stuff, I was, which I was kind of yeah, pumped for. Yeah, I was for. super excited because the best thing about, like, the classic horror movie horror movies format is that they're very much like the kind of like the cool adventure movies that i like yeah um and i was excited for it especially because like modern technology i think modern studios make really improve upon it a lot yeah and they make really good good looking movies i'm not saying modern studio, studios always make good movies but i in my opinion a lot of movies nowadays uh, at like the highest level look good at least you know yeah that's the thing so I, can, I mean when you watch some of the old movies it's like obviously dude in a very stiff suit who can't quite move yeah the way he like should. it doesn't always you know, yeah. don't get me wrong i think uh practical effects are the way to go when you want something to hold up but uh yeah, but yeah I, I think we can just do a lot of cool stuff with the technology now and i would have loved yeah, exactly. to see that like i would have loved to see frankenstein be resurrected using modern you know cinematic uh technology yeah and i um, i know that when i like read frankenstein the book i always wished that you know it was a bit longer and we got a bit more of like the creature's point of view well she- I mean, there is that one there is like i frankenstein uh which is all about frankenstein's point of view where he but he's don't, all don't. cute and stuff because he's the dude from uh, it's aaron eckhart dark knight yeah aaron eckhart yeah, yeah it's it's a very a cutie it is a such a weird paced movie it is so it is extremely weird it is so weird like angels and stuff it makes no I don't sense know. But yeah whatever yeah but um but yeah so like i was very he like, has a constructed body but what about his soul <laughs> yeah basically Did you just read a tagline because that's perfect <laughs> perfect i love it um but yeah did you just come up with that? yes 
you got a you've got a future in Hollywood. Yeah, you gotta make it big, kids. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, people just didn't like the Mummy at all. I think in part because like one, Brendan Fraser was. Uh, yeah, they. they I'm sorry. Him. He should have been the zombie. Also, well, actually, no. I like the fact that the zombie was a girl. Well, I, I mean, I thought it was cool, but I, my problem with the Mummy was that everything was very convenient. Like, oh yeah, they conveniently like, fall into the pit. The, that conveniently has the thing they need to. Yeah, find. like the magic knife that like she was looking for. Like they just happened to crash there near this random fucking like church and then like she like knocked something over oh and it was there the thing is like both characters were surprised at that it's not like it's not like she was like aha you led me right to it or it was like ah uh, i was using my mummy magic to find it it was like oh wow my hey, mummy magic wow this is nice the magic of my mummy the one thing i needed it's right here great perfect i was like <laughs> what no you can't just find it anyway there has to be um, some kind of yeah. Yeah, and I was and I personally was super hyped for Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, but because people so didn't like it, they they scrapped almost all these plans, and now it's not even you know. Uh, yeah, all the plans are shredded, and there's not even people attached. Yeah, anymore. there's like I said, like as far as we know, maybe Elizabeth lost. There's no two BA, and remember this was this was in 2017 when the Mummy came out. You know, that's two years now, and there's no there hasn't been any real word besides the point that like some of them are kind of being worked like invisible man as far as we know is being maybe worked and that there's going to be individual like they're going to reboot the movies but they're not going to make it a universe kind of thing dc can force its franchises into existence universal studios can force i will i will i'm I'm not going to get into how i think dc is wrong but their (laughs) idea is a good idea okay but uh but actually you know dc is they're doing what dc is doing now which said let's get rid of the idea of a shared universe yeah which are which i think is you know the good idea and i think like honestly marvel does that already because i would i I argue that marvel as a cinematic universe has a bunch of flaws but as individual movies are very good they all work out yeah every movie like you don't have to watch like i watched ant-man 2 like two weeks ago and i maybe watched half of ant-man 1 and it felt like a completely self-contained movie i didn't feel left out even for like half a second except for for the weird stuff i have a bunch of opinions uh, about that but uh but we won't we won't get into that. But yeah, that's the Dark I mean, Universe. Yeah. I, uh, as, as far as the cinematic universe goes, though, I wish that they were a little bit more creative with the cinematography. <laughs> like, And I also wish that they would explore some different color palettes. But... You don't like red? No, a, a, a red and you don't like a red? red overtone with a silver backtone. You don't like red? <laughs> for cinematics. <laughs> Uh well that's that was basically the dark universe. It just, they weren't a bunch they weren't very good movies. Uh they had a bunch yeah. of good ideas and they could have rebooted them and made them good, but like now we don't even know if we're gonna get So would you say men. that they had like story and idea but they just didn't have like the execution needed i would yes i definitely when it comes to the dark universe because frankly like the movies are already the original movies are are good i still rewatch, you know uh frankenstein and the wolfman i still i I mainly watch yeah i mainly watch the classic wolfman movie to make fun of lon chaney and claude rain uh i'm sorry like (laughs) i mean real quick sidebar okay like he goes to this town right his like birthplace from america his fucking everything has everything is wolf paraphernalia everywhere like the house is decorated in wolves his father's cane has a wolf on it he goes to a thing uh uh he gets a wolf and then people then he like is telling people i think i'm a wolf man and his dad's like where are you getting all these ideas of wolves from and i'm like what are you talking about (laughs) this whole town he like he's in there for 10 seconds and four people have told him that fucking wolf bane rhyme 
about, oh, well, <laughs> when the mood is high and a man, you know, can become a wolf. I'm like, you don't even know this bitch. Why are you telling him this? <laughs> it's no wonder he's fucking my, breaking down. <laughs> it's my secret hope. Oh, sorry, Jonathan, you can go. Oh, I thought you were going to say your secret hope was that you two were a wolf, but I'm sure my you were going to say something else. That I'm a werewolf <laughs> yeah, and that these nightmares aren't real. Uh, my, my secret hope is that now that, like, the people know it's not going to be like a Marvel franchise. It's not going to be this big cinematic universe. One, I think what you said before, they're going to focus on singular movies. But two, they're going to like mess with them a little bit. Like not make them super big action movies, but make them more noir and like dark the way the originals were. I mean, there's still action and there's some adventure in there, but overarching story plot, it's like a horror movie. And I hope that they bring that back because current tones of like horror movie is like gore horror and like just outrageous like scare you out of your skin horror. yeah jump scares, or like jump scares, scares yeah. and like gore or like a it, old yeah. school noir slow boil kind of like a little bit cartoony at times because that's like the comedic relief mm-hmm. i i would dig on that like i watch yeah, i think i think movies. the the perfect remake is the mummy from 1999 fred fraser and rachel wise it worked really yeah, it good. Was yeah, a, there were some scary yeah, moments in it there. Was, there was, yeah, it was an action. It was adventure. It was like everything I kind of wanted, you know? Yeah. It was a, it was a perfect remake. Yeah. yeah. And Brendan Fraser is the perfect man. Exactly. I think, all right, so I think I summed up, uh, <laughs> I summed up the domain pretty well. <laughs> all right. Well, I think unless you guys want to get any last little bites in, I think that maybe covers it for our domain. Okay, I just want to say real quick, real quick, uh, uh, fuck vampires. They all should have been killed. I'm sorry. You know, boom, there. That's all I got to say. <laughs> boom. Boom. I'm just saying what the people want to hear. Just giving the people what they want. Yeah. That extra spicy, <laughs> that extra spicy. You take. gotta stay on brand. Um, yeah. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> but it says the host will leave. They don't have a little script anymore for what I'm supposed to say to lead us into discussion. How am I ever going to? get us to discuss we this could just movie. continue with virginia wolf and <laughs> virginia wolf. <laughs> all right i think uh we went over our topics pretty well i think we've got a good synergy here we've got something that is a monstrosity that couldn't get off the ground we then have a beautiful book that is off the ground but the author is like punting it back into the ground and then we have a series and about then, monstrosities she got other things yeah, too right yeah and then we have a series <laughs> a series about monstrosities um that couldn't get off the so ground really so really we're all like monsters yeah let's let, let's tear into this discussion and i'm going to start with i think what i think is a fun question mm. um a dealer's choice what did you find, like each of you, uh, John, you can, you can answer first. I'll, I'll call you out first. Um, what was either the most offensive moment of this movie to you or the most awesome movie or moment of this movie to you? You can choose either one or both if you like. It's, it's difficult to pick out one offensive moment because the movie seems to like espouse an offensive attitude, which sort of oh, yes, quite, that's supersedes quite true. any one moment for me. But I think one thing that really got me that stuck out in my mind was that really like nipple me. bite at the end. Like near yes, the, the end. The nipple bite is terrible. The nipple bite yes. is a little scary. It's like <laughs> sexual. It's weaponized. Somebody's they're, they're like biting each other. It it's it's I don't know. Like that that stuck out in my mind. Like I I 
I winced at that. And then at that just like that that nipple shot frame was very that was that was out there. There's nothing that will ever get that out of your mind. I I yeah. Like I need You're welcome. I need I need a metaphorical steel wool or something to just like try and scrub that out. A like, sonic Mr. Train. Oh. I guess so. Um yeah, it's the whole there's a little monologue back at that point where it's like John Stamos and Gene Simmons. Like Gene Simmons is like, I am the future, I am both man and female. There's no way you can compete. And then John Stamos is like, Well, I am you're a whole a man. Either, which means you're yeah, yeah, I'm a full man, which means I'll always be better than you, and then proceeds to Well, he does get his like ass kicked and he's about to get well. The thing that you need to know if you're not, if you don't know about this movie, listener, and if you don't know about this movie, I'm, t- I'm speaking to you, singular listener, I'm whispering in your sweet little ear. You. If you've not seen this movie, you should watch it because Gene Simmons has like a coke nail made of steel that he uses to kill people by pricking them in the neck with it. And it's the most like dumb, but also very funny thing I've ever seen in a movie. Also, like, oh no, not the nail. When he like, like runs down the dam or whatever. Just being like, oh, I win, I win. (laughs) There's just so many characteristics of like, you Uh, don't know whether he's trying to be more childish or trying to like, if if this is crazy or yeah. Yeah. Like you. Should I be offended by this or is this good acting? Like, what are we doing here? (laughs) Or or you don't know. Like, I, I was just like, this has to be a parody of people's understanding of sexuality i'm like no this was not a parody this was like we are going to vilify <laughs> like <laughs> vilify and weaponize we're gonna vilify sexuality well, well, yeah like we're gonna basically vilify and um weaponize and like lump together any sexual deviancy <laughs> <laughs> just he's everything yeah he's a special he's a, he's just he's got everything packed in yeah his buns yeah like he's um, there's a lot of pressure on this character let me tell you to like represent <laughs> everything that and they did I, not pick the best actor to do it gene simmons <laughs> while maybe some people could argue is a good singer and bassist probably not a solid actor as we can tell from this movie well you know i mean it was it it was an attempt it was an attempt at something it was an attempt he tried real hard also like right at that very end that like being like i just wanted to tell you that you're beautiful (laughs) and he like tries to kiss him tongue (laughs) first like you stick your tongue out from like a foot away yeah and i'm like this is great i just this is such such organic sexual chemistry I don't. And then he got killed by his own coke, ne- uh, coke nail. Coke, yeah. As often happens. <laughs> All right, Keenan. Uh, what is your favorite uh, cool movement or moment or your favorite problematic moment? Uh, I think it's um, my favorite problematic moment, I think, was um, her. It's like a five minute long sequence of her trying to seduce him. Uh, oh, it's which so good. He like eats. No, an apple it's terrible because like no, no, it's five apple. minutes of like <laughs> Perrier. Oh, I just didn't under like it was just so like grossly sexualized, but also not like. <laughs> 
It was the forbidden uh, fruit. Because like she's well, like, the at best first part she's just like, hey, they are being actively actively observed by other government people. Like there are people with binoculars watching them. Yeah, as but this that's goes not on. even like, like, like let, let's ignore that. Let's just like like I will walk you. They all are through representative listeners. of John Milton. You know, who's let me, writing let me, Paradise Lost. Yeah, let me just wa- watch walk you through this because there is so many steps to this fucking seduction. First, she like she, like she like stands by him, and he's all like. Oh, I'm nervous or something. I don't. He's not. He's ignoring her. And then she's like, "I'm gonna like take off my top and then take off my bottom." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. So it's about to pop off." Nope, not yet. He just kind of stands there, and then she's like, "Okay, fine. I'll go over to the. I'll, I'll fucking lay down uh on the bed or the the little the little recliner." And she goes lay down. Yeah. And then he walks by her and gets like a Pierre soda water, and then she's yeah, like boiling herself. <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, I dropped it. I guess I'll get an apple." She goes to get an apple. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then she like takes off Perrier, her top. Like, um, I don't it, the the eighties cult classic Heather's. It's a very unsexy. Yeah, like one of the one of the points of of Heather's was just like they wanted to stage these like jocks murders as like a uh, a gay suicide pact, and they just like oh you know what'll work if we put some Perrier in there like perfect mass- like it, yeah. there's an association apparently in the eighties of like Perrier being oh by dropping gay. it he wasn't yeah. gay oh, I see okay but that yeah that, so this is your wait this is your most offensive moment why, yeah, well, why would well, you rate it once as offensive? again we're not did it offend we're not you personally fu- well we're not fucking finished yet that's the beauty of it. <laughs> okay because uh, then yes. he goes back and gets an apple she takes off her top and then she just I lays there another apple. You know, that's the thing he like drops his apple fucking again and then goes to get another apple and then like she's well, like watching watching herself with a guard host that's somehow on this like this second level of the home but anyway uh, and then he just kind of like forces like he just kind of like does this run and kiss thing, uh, and then we have this long intuitive sex scene. Uh, but the reason why oh, yeah, it's just the like really the, weird sex yeah, the, scene is my the, favorite part. The, yeah, but you see her be thrown down like five times in different like shots. Five times. Wham, uh, wham, one wham. because one uh, uh, cinematically, it's just it's so fucking gratuitous. I hate it. But two also because like it just it's just so overtly like sexualized. Like I felt like at first like we were maybe gonna get a character out of this because you know every once in a while you know a female in the eighties got like a character you know, with personality and stuff. Uh, but this kind of, like, sealed the deal that this is kind of all just her uh, as, like, a sexual this object. This is a purpose in the yeah, movie, like, yeah, is to be a sexual object. Yeah, and so, like, I just, I don't know. It was just, like, because it was just so hammered in, that's what really offended me. Like, like yeah, if one, as a viewer, I get it. They're going to bone. I'm not, like, I get I'm it. not fucking fuck, stupid. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm also like, Jesus, like, do we really have to, like, nail this into the coffin? Like, I don't know. Uh, I think, like, if you want to look at it from a deeper perspective, I'm not saying the years wasn't deep, but what if he was so reticent because he knew or at least suspected that she had been fucking his dad and he did not want to? Yeah, that's why she had to wash herself with the garden hose first. She was cleansing herself. So you're saying that was a metaphorical (laughs) cleansing of the boning of his father. Yeah, I think that's a very um, deep take. I like it. I I think that the apples is probably significant also. Yeah, there's two of them. It's like the 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 forbidden fruit. Two apples. So one apple, you get the knowledge that kicks you out of Eden. The second apple is you get the, fucked. Yeah, you get you get fucked. Yeah, that's actually like you the, the other part of the Bible. The same woman yeah, that you never did. read is once Adam and Eve get kicked out of heaven, and the serpent comes back and says, "All right, cool, now he's gone. You want the apple gate? Fuck." <laughs> yeah. It's that it's that apple that sweet, nice, nice. Come on, pluck it. <laughs> Paradise Lost XXX. It's actually just yes, a banana, so like they don't know how to what eat it. What does the Perrier yeah. symbolize? Uh, uh, well, well, once no, again, no, he's I not just gay. brought that up because like 
it was weird to me, like watching this <laughs> 80s classic, like other movie, like other cult phenomenon movie that Perrier indicates gayness. Like, so I didn't know that. that. Is, so yeah, maybe maybe not just this movie's about fluoride consumption, but it could also be about- He's hesitant uh, because he's repressing his own, like, yeah, yeah, am I gay or am I not? I just, I just think, like, I- yeah. uh, the reason why, like, because when I was watching it, I thought about, uh, like, modern, like, sex scenes. Is it okay if we, like, if we, like, touch this stuff, you know? Stuff? Oh, yeah, we can okay. touch this yeah. sex scene topic. Um, yeah, like, modern modern sex scenes are just, in my opinion, like, recently, the movies I've watched are a lot more, like, I don't want to say, like, tender or anything, but they're a lot more, like, awkward <laughs> and, like, a little bit more realistic. Like, they don't put on a lot of, like, mm-hmm. like, sexy music anymore. We don't, like, have fucking 20 million, they you know, shots. They try to humanize both people involved. Yeah, exactly. We do, like, yeah. both sides. And, like, because like, I just watched, um, I watched Outlaw King with Chris Pine and like he's about to like make love to like his wife and like they're both like developed characters and this is a symbol like this is like a progression of like both of them as characters because they weren't mm-hmm. supposed to marry each other and like they're really awkward up till then and like it was just a very cool you know look I'm glad this couple's finally coming together but I feel like this is indicative mm-hmm. like that 80s like idea in movies where it's like all right, there's a girl, and then you did some. You said hi to her. Now you have sex, and that's how relationship works. Am I right, fellas? And it's Bone City. Yeah, time. like it was just, yeah. it's just so fucking stupid. Like looking back and like how people thought that's how you write a movie, and like slapped a fucking script down and high fived each other. You know? Well, yeah, it's because like it's it's one of the reasons why if you like like look into oh. How did American movies depict sexuality like through the ages? It's actually pretty fascinating because there's uh-huh. clear discomfort and then there's like clear, but this is also the end goal. And it seems like over mm. time, like getting a little bit more naturally from A to B has become progressively more okay to talk about. So... That's kind of interesting, just to be able to compare. Yeah, no, it's very, I, I agree with you. It's a very interesting, like, trend, and I'm really liking the newer trend on it. But like I said, I think it just, it represents, like, a, such, like, this, uh, the sex scene in uh, Never Too Young to Die Young, and uh, the son of George Never Lassie. Too Young to Die Young? Never Too Young to Die <laughs> Never Young. Never Too Young to Die. Uh, which, <laughs> I always want to put Young at the end, uh, for some reason. Um, too young to di- too old to die young now. <laughs> Never too young to <laughs> die as a young man today, forever. And there, were, they definitely picked that title for the inevitable sequel. Never too young to live. Two, and that was going to be the sequel. They were going to be like fucking up shit in like Europe. It was definitely going to start out with like him skiing down a mountainside. Are you sure the sequel wasn't going to be JK too young to die? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so the male gaze basically was my complaint about like I thought it was just the most annoying uh, part of this movie. Just because like I said, they just beat you over the head with it. There's no subtlety. There's no no interesting fact about it. It's just like, oh, wow, I almost saw a nipple one time. I guess that's kind of interesting. Yeah, he went from seeing them to biting them. Tact. And like, I don't know, like you could have done any one step of that four step process I just outlined for that that scene. Like you could have just had to take (laughs) off her clothes to reveal a swimsuit and then cut to like their weird boning scene. Or you could have just had her taking off her swimsuit and oiling herself and you could have you didn't have to spend, like I said, five minutes on. But uh, that's, I don't Man, know. And they just had, they had vanity. They had her for the day, for shoots. Like she, You're she right, for that one day. You want to explain everything about her acting in that movie now. You're right. <laughs> they had her for a There's day. There was a lull in her singing schedule, and they just didn't want to waste a You're minute. You're right. Everything it. was one shot. It was one day. 
we can't we can't get too much into our kinks. What do we got? We got apples and we got water. We got to run for it. Let's <laughs> run do. We with got it. soda water. We got some apples. We got hoses. We got Ooh, Perrier. Rubber hoses. That's subversive. <laughs> got some fucking Perrier up in this piece. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I think those are pretty good answers. Uh, my probably my favorite moment. It's a hard one. I definitely like the beginning because it. The, the beginning when Ragnar just like fucking ends some random chick with his finger just because it's like out of fucking nowhere and just lays the scene for this outrageous character yeah, he is. that is also yeah. extremely offensive. So I think it's like the best of both worlds. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just like both f- cool and fucking weird and offensive. Um, so I think it's pretty obvious why Never Too Young to Die is where it is. Uh, it just had too many things going against it. It seems low budget. It uh, The story is not super great. I mean, it has big stars, but for whatever reason, people kind of read between the lines and know that it wasn't a good movie. And I think it's deserving of its fate to some extent. It Especially in like today's pretense of, you know, what we know now and about respecting other people and, you know, stereotypes and all that stuff. It definitely wouldn't fly today. Do you think that your guys' movies deserve their or well book and movie do you think the book deserves its kind of fate as a singular one-off and for Jonavi? and do you think that the cinematic universe the dark universe kind of deserves its fate as a maybe a one-hit wonder depending on how things pan out do you think they're deserved yeah well i'll i'll i'll, uh, I'll tackle this first i'll do that right or yeah, yeah cool. go for it go for um, it um i think i think the universal themes in universal pictures <laughs> Um, of the classics, you know, no, all right, fine, fuck you guys, you know, like, pun. well, first of all, Universal Studios <laughs> is clearly like planetist because they're only showing the fucking planet Earth when they You're call right, themselves no Mars. Universal. Mars, Mars, Martian representation in movies, am I right? Like, they have a Martian movie yeah. and they cast Matt Damon in it. What the fuck? No, seriously, my um, gosh. But I, mean, I love that movie. Uh, so I, I think guess overall, fine. the movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, the original movies do have a bunch, like, a lot of really interesting uh, takes on them. Uh, you can really delve deep into a lot of, like, Vern's work and, you know, H.G. Wells for, like, the classic uh, monster movies and books, and um, as well as, you know, like, the vampire from, uh, uh, and Bram Stoker's Dracula. You can just, you can delve a lot into it. They have a lot of, like, universal themes about, like, the fear. Well, one, I mean, the va- like, Bram Stoker's Dracula was basically beware foreigners. Uh, because they're so spooky, and they'll take your like. Because they're weird. They'll be over. Drink your blood. They'll be oversexualized. You know, foreigners. They'll you know they'll, they'll have sex <clears> with your your fiancés yeah, and, and, and stuff. It's but it's I interesting think, that you brought up like the dark universe in general, just because like themes of sex and sexuality and monstrosity like yeah, go but together. they go hand in hand. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think like you can use them nowadays. They have like. Universal templates, which are very well liked. Uh, I mean, we 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 we've done Frankenstein how many times? We've really done vampires how many times? And you know, the romantic idea of the vampire originated in you know, um, well, I mean, it, it would go. It was originally uh, what was his name? Byron's Bryce, uh, Lord Byron's uh, piece, the vampire, which he actually wrote on the same weekend that uh, Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. Which uh, Genevieve is probably why you know you don't get that much of the uh, of Adams. You know, Adam the um. Uh, the the monsters viewpoint because oh, she wrote yeah, in the I weekend know, because it, this this was a weekend spoopy spoopy because campfire it was rainy project. outside. Let's just redefine literature for the next you know hundred years or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But you yeah, know I think what it, we it, need in the yeah, future? Goths. Yeah, I think, uh, like, very easily, this these deserve a comeback. You know, there's a lot of nostalgia going on. These ideas could work, and I think, like, which day well, storytelling... Well, I think what, what works in its favor is that, like, these these monster templates are, are now just, like, embedded into, you know, the canon of media and literature. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you, if things you, that are usually successful going forward, they, you know, like... Take something that people are familiar with and recontextualize it exactly. for another you could, era. Like with today's artists, I would love to have someone like Rebecca Sugar or someone like write uh, a monster movie, or like Guillermo del Toro does monsters wonderfully and like does them like very yeah. heartfelt, sometimes very touching scenes. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think the issue was that they tried to do they tried to lean into like the gritty reality reboot, uh, which didn't yeah, super... Which was unfortunate. Yeah, which didn't super play off. Like, Dracula Untold had a bunch of, like... it. Uh, unfortunately, I had to blame the writer because I don't think the ideas weren't... Like, the templates are there. I think it's the writers and the studios and the directors who didn't deliver on that. I think there's, like, a mistaken kind of premise that the gritty realism makes it feel more real to the pe- person watching. When I... It, it can work that way, but I also think it... Well, you um, need to... It can have the opposite you, yeah. effect. So, like, having Superman in a gritty, realistic movie doesn't work because... You need to... S- it, there's... Oh, sorry. It, like, sorry. If you have Superman in a super gritty, realistic movie where everything makes sense and there's people in buildings, he's not a hero. He's a man that lets thousands of people die. Yeah, no, what I think... <laughs> like, it just doesn't need, work yeah, out. Yeah, what you need to do with gritty reboots is you need to have them... Uh, On the beach. Well, one, sand. the beach. And two, you need to have Gritty. them... Uh, Understand have them. me. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. I think if you're going to do a gritty reboot, you have to... If you want to do gritty realism, you have to have it say something. Like, um, Other for example... Than we're here and we're gritty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like the shock factor of it all. Like, take, for example... Um, like for, we we mentioned George R. R. Martin earlier. Uh, that's actually, in a way, a sort of gritty reboot of uh of like how history is because yeah because history he, he calls it a song of fire and ice. Some people think, and I don't know if he's actually said this, but I've read like some other stuff about the idea that he calls it the song the of fire and right? ice because history is very romanticized. Yeah, you know, we talk mm-hmm. about how all these great heroes, but then you. You know, you you delve a little bit deeper and you find out about them, and you're like, oh well. And there was actually, some fucked up shit. Yeah, like Richard the Lionheart. I I wrote a whole essay once about Richard the Lionheart, a real deep dive. I loved the dude. He was he was such a pisser, but he was also like this like insane piece of shit. Like, yeah, he was hilarious because what he would do is he did like shit like uh he got sick during a siege in during the Crusade, uh, the Third Crusade, and he heard the French were offering like three coins to anyone who could like take a piece of the wall off and bring it to them. And so he was like, fuck that, I'm gonna give you four coins for it. And then he had them, like, take him out on a stretcher while he was sick, out to the front so he could use a crossbow and pick off Saracens off the walls. Just because he was, like, that dude, you know? But on the other hand, Mm -hmm. he also died because he bankrupted the entire kingdom and, you know, eventually, you know, got killed because uh, he was fighting for treasure in it that may not have existed in a castle that was like a very tiny yeah. castle because he didn't want to wear his armor because he thought it didn't look cool. So, you know, this guy was also an idiot. So when I think really realism, and you need to say something about it, like take um also like the Watchmen. It's a it's a kind of a gritty take on like, the superhero genre, but they use that to say yeah, like, it's say like stuff you're about... using the grittiness to uncover like something that lies below the surface, right? Yeah, you're like... using you're using like, yeah. the contextualized of, of of monsters or medieval fantasy or uh, superheroes to get play at a larger issue. Like the Cold War was the re- was the real statement about the Watchmen, not 
not, oh, look at Dr. Manhattan. He can wave people, and it's really gross when that happens. Right, or so Rorschach, then if you don't have, energy. like, substance behind your gritty reboot, then it just You're ends just up being nerd. an aesthetic more so than it ends up yeah. being, like, a substantial statement. Yeah, you're you're you you become an edge lord. You know, you're not the dark yeah, the knight. Thing. You know, uh, and it can really bring you out of it. I think if it if it's just too gritty and there isn't some play there, it takes you out of the movie. Like I think maybe a good example: Guardians of the Galaxy is a ridiculous movie, but I'm in it when I like the first time I watched it. I thought it was a great movie, and I'm in it. Like Into the Spider Verse is is a super ridiculous fun movie, but when you are watching it, you are completely enveloped. Oh my in that god, story. So and it's not gritty even a little bit. But there's other gritty movies I've watched recently. You know, there's a, always a gritty reboot of something, and you watch that movie, and you just can't put yourself into the movie because you just can't get past the grit. Yeah, like, like yeah, Keenan, I, I feel like this relates to like one of the discussions we've had on the podcast before where it's just like, if you're gonna put something into another aesthetic or into another medium, there has to be intent and a purpose behind doing that. Yeah. Where like just... all of your choices need to in in the end contribute to like what kind of message or like what kind of yeah. experience exactly. are like, you going like, for? Yeah, it's like you said, there's got to be something behind it. There's got to be something deeper than just, I'm going to update this so it looks right. cool. Like, watch this guy punch this guy's face off or something. And it's like, yeah, cool. Yeah. That's like, like, you can't yeah. spend your whole movie on atmosphere. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. which, don't get me wrong, like, just because something visually looks cool. Because I, I love, I love, like, the realistic telling of um, superheroes. Every once in a while, there's like a more realistic, um, like the year one, Batman year one, right? Was a more realistic, like how exactly did he get here? But it still taught, uh, told a story about how um, either Batman like did what he did, why he did what he did, and how Gordon became a guy who would support a vigilante from being like a good cop in a bad city. But yeah. that that was an interesting story. But the thing is, you could have adapted that to anything. It didn't have to be a gritty bad and I think when you come right down yeah. to it, like John, if you said, it's got to have substance, it's got to have a story that you, that's a good story to tell. Not just, what if, you know, Mickey Mouse, like, was right. And It's oh. like, that's, that's what brainstorming <laughs> is. Like, you can start with a what if, Kingdom but Hearts then you 4. have to, you have to get somewhere from your what if. <laughs> yeah, like, you know. Yeah. Feel free um, to do it, but just like, yeah. you know, acknowledge, sure. like, this is just, mm -hmm. not. Yeah. And, like the the lines between um what makes an aesthetic complement a story and what makes a sto a story more interesting in particular aesthetics than others has a lot to do with like what how you've sort of prepped your audience to like receive the story that you're telling so like with a monster or like when you're telling stories about monsters people need to know if or, or have an indication like, okay, is this monster like gonna be a like straight played as a monster? In which case, is okay, we're assuming that the monster just... comes with like symbolic connotations, like how vampires are symbolic of like um, sexy rude aristocrats who are like yeah, switching off of the population, no. or and like and 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 associations like that if you assume that if you're going to try and humanize the monster in some way or be like um or or be like oh there are there are reasons or like how you create a monster the making of a monster and yeah, like who's things the real like that, monster here you know yeah and, and if you're if you're discussing 
issues of that nature, then you you get stories of, of a different type and format. So I think that a lot of how um, stories about monstrosity or, and then I guess taking it back to um, never too young to die, like the monster <laughs> in this story is like um, yeah, you, yeah, a hilarious right, yeah. mishmash of different like of different stereotypes, stereotypes. yeah von ragnar <laughs> is basically like this sort of made yeah. up monster yeah he is he is a frankenstein of sexuality as the 80s understood <laughs> yeah. sexuality he's not like straight that. he's yeah. not even a guy maybe yeah and yeah and like it's I don't know. I, I I had to keep thinking of like Doctor Frankenfurter and and the Rocky Horror Picture Show, even Which though it's- yeah, there is some definite uh, like as you mentioned. Yeah, that, there is some def- definite mm-hmm. intermix there. Like they maybe like a super big Chad watched Rocky Horror Picture Show. Was like you know what? <laughs> There's like something to that being terrifying we should really yeah. focus down on yeah that. and and like that the, that's the whole thing of the rocky horror picture show right it's like poking fun at like this sexual fear this this weird like puritanical like vanilla very american attitude about um <clears throat> other sexuality being like literally horror and like putting it into that genre and that's one of the yeah, reasons like, oh, why so that's so amusing I wanted, but then to put playing. it into this like action movie context is like again like you're problematic. you're you're mushing together these different ideas and aesthetics with like again like a very ambiguous but why and then it turns out to be entertaining <laughs> in a but why kind of way but then to to a modern audience which which we're like okay we've had like monster media up the wazoo, man. Like, we have so much monster media. And, like, the way that you've chosen to portray the monster of this story is just, like, it, it's it's purely cartoonish. There's nothing... <laughs> There's yeah. nothing in it. And that's one of the reasons why it's such like at the end of the day, like even as like offended as I might be at these various like portrayals of um I don't even know what sexual statement you're making. But uh, gender nonconforming. <laughs> Let's go with that. Uh, yeah, yeah of, of just general like nonconforming. Frankenfurter esque yeah. type individuals, I guess you could say. Right. Or or just like, oh man, these uh <laughs> this 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 like Frankenstein of sexualities is gonna cause fluoridation. Like I what? <laughs> yeah, it's more anyway. like it, it, it comes off less less nowadays. It's less um, it's less like ah, uh, it's 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 less of a fear as more of like um, humorous the idea. You know, right. Like, and the bad guys vaguely maybe gay. Oh, I don't. I think the best. <laughs> this kind of reminds me actually. Of um the best like uh uh scene that I can remember that kind of did this, but also like did a fun twist on it that I really liked. Um, because like you know, as we know, like queer coding is like a thing in literature mm-hmm. and in you know movies. Unfortunately, I don't always agree that like the queer coding is as queer as like some people say. Whether it's like this guy's vaguely smart, he must be gay. Like, I mean, I don't know if that's like the gayest thing you can do. But anyway, uh, kind of reminds me of um. Skyfall with Javier Bardem's De Silva character when oh, he yeah. has him tied he has you know Daniel Craig tied up and he's like oh so you you know is this your you know this must be your first time with a, a man touching your chest and he was like what do you think it's my first time for and I thought like that was <laughs> I think that was like the perfect response like that kind of like ooh gaze kind of you know point <laughs> 
Uh, I've been to boarding school. We touch chests. All the time. My- we touch more than just chests. <laughs> or, or the classic, I go to bed with all my friends. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I just think it's just, it's a great little, uh, like, yeah, sure. Like, you acknowledge that some people would be like, oh, this guy's like, you know, must be gay for because he's a bad guy. But it's like, oh, wait, actually, it's more just a kind of like, he happens to be gay, maybe. Um, right. Oh, or, yeah, yeah. And then I, I have to wonder whether this ends up being like, um, if... If it's supposed to, I I think that when you assume a majority hetero audience or like primarily hetero audience, um, then it's it's another like when you make the statement of like making your villain sexually ambiguous, it's 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 a means of trying to other them in the way that like things are already othered. It also. yeah, I was going to say it plays into that also because it's kind of his defining characteristic. You know, right. he's not a villain. He's not like De Silva, who was this genius hacker killer dude, and then maybe was kind of bisexual. Right, he like hinted at maybe yeah. hitting on James Bond. Mm-hmm. No, this is his whole character. Like, there's very little outside yeah. Von Ragnar that yeah. you know. Uh, Besides irradiating the water supply. Yeah, but like, California. no, that's what he right. does. That's on his character, though. Like, yeah, his character yeah, is basically like he's, he's, doing. He's, he's 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 vaguely like he doesn't defined. have a character. That's that's the thing about these. Yeah, like he's an evil bisexual hermaphrodite as defined by which. Yeah, like, and that's, like yeah. that's just. Uh, but we're supposed well, to see that and go, oh, he must be evil. Well, that's right, a bad or. Or it's it's because he's put in this evil role of just like for everyone else, like sexuality would not be like a character. It, that, that's not a characteristic that's like equivalent of like some kind of morality. Like you wouldn't yeah, like, be like straight isn't used as like a, ca- a defining characteristic. There's no like watch out for that guy. He's so straight. Right, but so, it is yeah. if it's not straight. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is another thing of like monsters and othering, like exactly, kind of going together know. and like sexual fears often playing into <laughs> well that's why uh, um, uh speaking of monster movies that's, and like other um uh, that's why i think uh cape of water was such a good example of outsider love playing on the trip month mm-hmm. she because she because she fucked the other instead of being scared of the other yeah well i mean she was also <laughs> kind of an other one could uh you could like make a thing about yeah. but anyway True. Uh, but so, yeah, that's and, the thing. And in in my book, in in Sunshine, they're, in they're they book. are just called the others. Like your book now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> others, like just not other. humans, <laughs> others. <laughs> um, but yeah, but there's still there's still that divide there between like all yeah. the things, even though everyone is focused on. Uh, well, my question to you, real quick, is is like the whole like the monster aspect is that dealt with more uh, a more three dimensional lens, or are there just a bunch of characters who like their defining characteristic is kind of their well, a vampire kind of yes and no, like the inherent tension in the story is like, okay, vampires and humans as a premise cannot coexist. And then you have the core Agreed. of the story where you do have like I mean, uh, an no. alliance between a human and a vampire. Okay. Um, so that, that does contribute to a lot of like the inherent stakes of the story. And well, then in addition to that, with the other's special forces, is that many <laughs> is it of the, called that? Yes. <laughs> like No, it's the Baker's special forces. It's meant imperi- just for just for just bakers. the other. So yeah, we're here to get staked and we're here to get baked. <laughs> <laughs> get staked, get steak and bake. Gotta steak and bake 'em. <laughs> um the uh 
yeah, but, but, but like special operatives of the of like the others special forces um they like a lot of them have like demon blood or like demon characteristics that's difficult to hide and like they are in particular even more anti-vampire than like society in general is just anti-vampire because it's a threat to existence they're just like if we could only get rid of the vampires maybe the rest of the others could have a better time because <laughs> you're right that <laughs> werewolf gonna be fine no yeah <laughs> or wear something <laughs> Yeah. Or like, all right, guys. Yeah. So I mean, there's a there's a lot of complexity when you try and be like, okay. oh, okay. Um, this this is this parallels like actual social problems that we deal with in like yeah, it's a not normal just, you know, a normal world because you're just like, um, like, hey, if I as like somebody who can't tro- show my true self can help defeat this like even bigger batter thing like maybe that'll be okay like maybe then i can prove I'll then that count as a person yeah yeah okay so that's, that's real that's, boy that's, or girl that's, that's yes. a little bit more complex than van ragnar's internal conflict i guess <laughs> uh, i guess that's true. i mean i'm um, i'm still intrigued by this floridation thing i'm still the floridation i'm still thing. on virginia wolfman i'm still I'm confused still... about why he thought like that would happen though just because he destroys the water like there's all of the rest of the United States, and if they think they're going to let, let California go, which is the fifth largest. Well, he's gonna, he's basically just going to take he's going to take California's water supply like off the fucking yeah. But map, I'm just saying man. like the thing I just I don't know I didn't really fully. Well, you got to start somewhere. You got to start with like yeah. a place. Maybe the selection Only of his... Southern California as like oh Southern California. It's like weird and hippie compared to the rest of the United States. Yeah, it's it's not like he's doing this <laughs> I mean, in like Waco, right. Texas, right? He's the only one prepared for yeah. the apocalyptic water waterless Southern California. He's got all the dirt bikes ready. He's got all yeah. of like the little either, they're all wearing little chest plates made from like football yeah. uniforms. It's Mad they're Max with a few more it. X's, you know? <clears throat> Leather yeah. will be really in, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, we gotta I hate to end the discussion here, uh, well, but we are running a little long. I think you guys I, I think that was a really great discussion. I think we talked out a lot of really good points. I think we dissected everyone's uh media pretty well yep got down to the sexy bones um we do not have any listener questions this week um if you want to have your own question or comment read on the show uh we make posts on facebook and twitter where you can comment or reply and we'll be sure to talk about it so if you want to be heard just let us know i uh, just gotta put it out there um you can see those every other friday when cgp is off the air uh like shares and comments all enter you into a raffle giving you a chance to pick your own topic for a future episode which i think is going to be coming up soon it's a lottery for your ears yeah um i think the official announcement well actually it was the official announcement it may have been a couple episodes ago but whatever um but that means with the end of discussion we must move on we must move on to the ever dreaded ratings section. Oh boy! And first, I just want to thank you guys. I think that was a, I think that was a super interesting discussion that we had. I think we really dissected everybody's media, um, good and bad, what was going on with it. Um, and we gotta, we gotta, I gotta come up with how to a scale of one to five somethings. Um. Hmm. One to five. One to five. One to five coke nails. No, I was gonna say it should be the golden <laughs> coke nail. <laughs> that was my first idea. The golden I coke like nail. That. One, one to five. 
Coke nails. One to five uh, beer One to five bottles. Offensive stereotypes. <laughs> One to five uh, dropped apples. One to five oh, the- John Stamens. <laughs> John Stamens. John Stamens <laughs> yes. ha- uh, eyebrows. One to five murdered secret agent Stamen. fathers. I like I like the one to five Coke nails, and then I think. Well, uh, I'll think about it a little bit more, but then we're going to do the, the, the gold star okay. thing. I think I got something. Like that. All right. Um, so, yeah, what do you, if you guys had to write, uh, rate it from a scale of one to five Coke nails, how would you rate it? Well, well. Would, if I if I thought the movie was trying to be as bad as it was, I would rate it higher. Very high. However. It's, that it's, it's purposeful intent makes it less quality. Yes, it's purposeful intent. Just turns me off too much so i will have to give this a two out of five coke nails oof, oof. <laughs> that's not a lot that's just the normal amount of coke nails on a person that's yeah, rough. that's yeah. based that's yeah. rough that's uh that's coke nails used that's to kill. two pointy thumbs down from me <laughs> <laughs> all right Keenan. what do you think uh, one to five coke nails used to kill um i'm around the same place as john Evie. Because, Ooh. also because it, but actually because it was so bad that it actually ended up kind of being entertaining in some aspects, but still uh, offensive at the same time. Uh, but because of the production quality and pretty much everything in it, I'm also going to give it two. I'd give it one if it wasn't funny to laugh at it, because as you know, there's some bad movies <laughs> that like you watch and you're just like, wow, that was just bad. If this you know. was made as a bad movie, I'd be like, yes, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You, you, you found everything you needed, you know? But, like, everything about it was just, like, whack. And there had to be a process of which someone had to confirm, like, decisions to be... Like, they had to okay some things. And, like, they just... The failsafe totally uh, fell through. The cracks. <laughs> yeah, it just... It all fell to pieces. So I'm going to give it two Coke nails. Wow, that's lower than I thought it was going to be, but I can understand that. I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that was me and Wizards, bro. I thought Wizards was going to be, like, middle ground, but, like, I got the lowest rating one, I think. Uh, like, still. don't don't get me wrong. Like, I found this discussion quite engaging and entertaining. Oh, super like, fun. Particular scenes in that. Like, I, too, was just like, I find this quite humorous, but not because but the not lack the of reason intent was there. Like, going back to our earlier yeah. discussions, like, this was not crafted with intent of anything, apparently. That is, that is a... <laughs> That's a very good point. It's very obvious. I feel like there was no there was no intent to this movie on to make movie. So uh, next, I will have to award a gold star student. Oh boy! Um, which I think is gonna be very difficult. I think you guys, re- both of you guys, did an amazing job discussing it. Oh, we always it. do. Um, giving a reward to the person who I think best. Uh, in uh, they have just criteria here. I think the person that best like. Amplified the discussion. It was like really for. I think I um, am pretty much uh, too young to die. So I think <laughs> I exemplify. So, but instead of a gold star student, I think it's going to be the golden half filled Perrier bottle. <laughs> the golden Perrier bottle? <laughs> the golden Perrier Isn't bottle. Isn't that just one of us um, gay? Oh my god. Yeah, that was that was just dropped on the ground as, uh, as what was her actual Do you mean Perry gay? Yeah, Perry Gay. <laughs> I don't want to be offensive. It can't be Perry Gay. It's Perry. Perry. Uh, but uh, I really, I, you know what? 
Fuck it. I'm going to give it to both of you. Oh, can you do <gasps> that? We, got it. we each got you... half a bottle of gold. Oh my god, yeah. this is great. You guys get to split a bottle of John Delicious. Amos's 1980, <laughs> probably was shot in 85, 1985 Perrier. Don't drop it or else, you know, like, you know, when we see Vanya take her, you know, uh, d- uh, d- uh, take her, uh, her top take off. Take her top off. Because we don't want to yeah, drop it in front of Vanity. It's okay, we're yeah. safe. There are think... no apples. No apples. <laughs> no apples. Oh, if I or two half-eaten apples. It's an interesting way of looking at it. We, maybe that's you probably not, sell the half-eaten like apples if you tell people it's junk. But yeah, I think you guys both did an amazing job. I had a lot of fun discussing this stuff. I mean, I love this movie. I but I, I just as much love making fun of it for all of its random and many flaws as I do for like the kind of interesting bits in the middle. I I I, I really appreciate you guys looking into the movie. I always enjoy talking about bad movies, and I get to force people to do it occasionally. This is exactly what I wanted. Um, but yeah, I think that about wraps. Uh, oh, I was just saying, oh. at least you, you you know that the movies show are bad movies, that so people won't. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're bad movies, but I love. Don't get me wrong, movies. I love them too. But like I said, there's been a few things I've brought up to this program that I thought. This is gonna be. It's weird, but they're gonna like it. And you're like, no. I'm like, ah. Nope. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you guys have any acceptance speeches or a quick. Uh, you both won. So uh, well, I, I want to say words. that I won this award fair and where. Okay, I had watched that movie. I had to. <laughs> I had to think <laughs> about it. Work. I think I've earned this half-eating <laughs> apple. Um, I, in my acceptance speech, would like to, like, have an, an open query to John Stamos of how he feels about his role. In... You're right, let's, let's go talk. nowadays. I, I'm very curious. Like, I, I would like somebody to question him at some point about him reflecting <laughs> on his career, about specifically never too young to die. Sir, <laughs> sir, I, I would sir, assume that is, uh... he refuses to talk about it. Common briefing um, program. Uh, can you go to share? Yeah, somebody, uh, somebody, how do you tell John Stamos? We want to know. Do you ever think about never too young to die? No. <laughs> 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 All right. But yeah, it's, it's a balls to the wall, crazy movie, and I love it. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Um, thank you for listening to the Comic Geek Program. I'm your host, Ryan Mossbarger. Uh, you can find me um, in your dreams. The, you know that kind of weird dream when you like wake up and you feel like you're in school and you're both naked and afraid? And your pants are I'll made be behind you. Pudding. That show is so dumb and I'll wonderful. I'll be behind you and then I'll give you your underwear and I'll save you from that bad <laughs> dream. So this is just a Rick and Morty episode. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, but yeah. um, and you can find me, uh, like I said, in your dreams where I'm saving you from terrible dreams or at uh, Ryan underscore M-O-S-S-B on Twitter. Um, again, I have been joined by... Oh, I'm John V. I'm also on Twitter. <laughs> Not super active, but at JKIR1 if you want to come say hello. And uh, yeah, other than that, I'm just I'm just kind of around, doing my best. Yeah, hey, it's living, and and it's also also joined by me, uh, Keen Kodish. I'm sure you all are actively following. As you He's know, I'm Keen not Keen and Kodish. I'm I'm not on uh, Twitter because I'm I'm in your hearts, and I really really the thing is, but you'll find me running for office very soon on a very strict anti-vampire uh, platform. <laughs> Very strict anti-vampire plan. I will, I will take it to all the pro-vampire politicians in Washington. And I will, I will make them make uh, uh, ideology. Uh, stop ideology. The, hashtag stop the feed <laughs> uh, in schools. 
No more vampires in schools. You heard me. No more vampires. All right. Um, <laughs> next week's episode will be hosted by, I believe, yes, Keenan, it is. right? However, once again, it's a mystery, and you'll have to find out. Tune in to find out. It's so spooky. You'll never know. Ooh. You got to tune in to find out. Yeah, that's right. It's a mystery. Uh, but yeah, be sure to tune in in two weeks from now, uh, Friday, the two weeks after this, and I don't have it in my head what date it is. Uh, give me one second. This isn't embarrassing at all. I love how you said John. I'm Jonavi. As if, like, somehow <laughs> when we looked away, you were replaced by a double game. And you're just like, oh, is that her name? Uh, yes. Well, I'm John. there's Jonna me, there's Jonna A, Jonna B, <laughs> Jonna C, you feel? Jonna U, you know? Another Jonna V, yeah. we're Jonna U. We call ourselves the Jonna We. <laughs> the Jonna We. <laughs> that sounds like a very, that sounds like a terrible <laughs> band that I would totally listen to. <laughs> and we are John and we, but, uh, we are here to rock you <laughs> <laughs> be sure to tune in two weeks from now Friday April 12th anyway thanks for listening I truly appreciate you guys tuning in every other week um, love please subscribe uh, share everything you can and we'll talk to you at some point in the future probably two weeks from now well at least some of us will Keenan will be you're here. never I, too I pro- young I will not to listen to CGP <laughs> And yeah, and you're never too young to die. So listen to all the CGP and then like spread us around a ton and make sure that we get like internet famous, which can be considered like D list at best. Um, and then we'll be real cool guys and we can go back to our high schools and be like, hey, what's up? Oh, yeah, I was like, I'm internet YouTube famous. Program. <laughs> Perhaps you heard of it. No, I haven't. Oh, well, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. <laughs> it's pretty big among circles. the 18 to 25 <laughs> range. Look it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. But yeah, like I said, thank you guys for listening. Um, and we hope to have you again real soon. Goodbye. This episode of the Common Geeking Program is hosted by Ryan Mossbarger, joined by John V. Iyer, and Kaden Kodish. This episode is sponsored by all the amazing episode titles you guys gave me to choose from, though you did miss the opportunity for the potential sequel title to this film, Too Young to Die. I think we all know that was the obvious best choice for the potential sequel. The podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Levitt, with this episode edited by me, Colin Ketchin, featuring original music also by me. Please follow at Geeking Program for engagement and news. We've been a bit lax, but I'm getting right back on it. So check back in two weeks, subscribe, share, and thank you for listening to this. Did you just... You're okay. okay whatever. You went. No, you're fine. I fine. can't clap. I have to hold my phone to record. I can't clap. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> it sounds like a bad plot of like a lifetime movie. Or... She's a one-armed woman. He's a business executive. <laughs> what? Well, no, you never. Why you are they always business executives? Can't be. No, actually, they're not. All right, Sometimes all right, fine, fine, fine. Okay, how about this? Yeah. Um, he's a one-armed <laughs> man. She makes barrels for a living. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so I feel like that's most Lifetime movies. They follow a very, like, a very clear format of they are one oh, thing, someone else movie. is something else, but somehow they come together. It's like, how?
but whatever. She's a big city woman who just took control of a snow company. <laughs> He's a lowly carpenter that works in a, in a small town called Christmas Vale. <laughs> He's the foreman of the factory. She's the new management. They meet up together and f discover the true meaning of Christmas in this year's Timbers Coming to Town. Because <laughs> her name is Timber. Perfect. Uh, you, you do know that you have to make all of these movies that you formulaically describe, right? Yeah, no, I can clearly, I can make a money movie about, uh, you know, he makes cocoa butter lotion at home and she's in a punk rock band. Boom. I don't know if you guys listen to My Brother, My Brother and Me. I've, uh, I, but... I listen to Adventure Zone mostly and I yeah, watch, I so... watch the, the, like, the little bits on YouTube for My Brother, My Brother and Me. Those are pretty funny. 